This is a CBC podcast. Hey, Melissa Fendira here, season two producer for Seat at the Table. I'm sliding into your feed with a bit of a bonus episode from an exciting project I've been working on. It's called Black on the Prairies, and it was created by Now or Never host Ifi Chiwetelu and CBC Saskatoon journalist Omaira Issa. The project is a multimedia exploration of the history, present life, and contributions of Black people in Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. We've got stories about Black migration from the Jim Crow South to the Canadian prairies in the early 1900s, about a woman reconciling with and celebrating her Afro-Indigenous identity through food, and then there's the one about a Zimbabwean instrument called the Mbita, demonized by British colonizers and now beloved across the prairies. There are so many stories like this, and I encourage you to check out the whole project at cbc.ca slash black on the prairies. In the meantime, I wanted to share a story with you that I think Seat at the Table listeners will appreciate. It's about a citizen historian in Edmonton called Bashir Muhammad. He wrote an article about Alberta's long history of white supremacy and black resistance. It's worth noting that this history is not included in the province's curriculum. So I spoke with Bashir about his passion for documenting the history of civil rights in Alberta and how it all started with his own experience with racism in 2016. An Edmonton cyclist says he is frustrated but hopeful after a confrontation with a driver in our... Uh, yeah, back in 2016, I was riding my bike through downtown Edmonton. Uh, long story short... Bashir Mohammed says he was riding his bike legally on the street when two people in a pickup started yelling at him to get off the road and used a racial slur. As of this uh, afternoon, this these people in the SUV weren't happy that I was riding my bike on the road. Uh, and at a red light, they got out and one of them called me the N-word. Did you just call me a Did you just call me a Get off the road now. I filmed part of that encounter and that blew up and it started this whole like conversation. As of this afternoon, this video he posted online had been seen nearly 67,000 times. Since then, well, basically people were saying how, you know, this is not Edmonton, you know, it was just a one-off thing. I don't know, I didn't really like that response because it seemed to kind of brush aside what happened. Back then I was still a student, so I wanted to know the answer for myself. Is this really an isolated thing, or is it part of a larger trend? Alberta has a very long and rich black history. Uh, when, you know, like the large wave of black immigration came in the early 1900s, they faced a lot of resistance, petitions were organized. In addition, like our city council passed a motion calling for black immigration to be halted. A member of parliament from Alberta gave a speech called We Want No Dark Spots in Alberta that was printed in the Edmonton Journal. So there was a lot of heavy uh, resistance. Actually, like doctors even received bonuses for every black person who, who they refused entry. But the black Americans who came, when they stayed, they faced you know a decent amount of resistance too. Uh, things that are very similar to the U.S. when you look at you know the U.S. civil rights movement. Movie theaters in our province were segregated. Swimming pools uh, were segregated. I even read a report that in the 20s and 30s, there was hospitals that refused black patients. And, and in 1938, there was actually a hospital that refused the black nurse to train, even though, that's, even though she was qualified. So what I found was a long and consistent history that showed institutional barriers, institutional discrimination, like hospitals literally refusing black patients and uh, black people just being unable to, I guess, take part in society. That's kind of what I found generally, and through that, I came across the Lou Anderson story. 
This happened in 1922. Uh, she walked into a, uh, a local theater and she was uh, refused entry. As a matter of fact, some articles say that she was even thrown out. It was, I think, a couple decades uh, before Viola Desmond, three decades uh, before Rosa Parks. And what she did is very similar to what Rosa Parks and Viola Desmond did. And Viola Desmond is on our $10 bill. So basically she was, she was thrown out of the, of the theater and she decided to sue the theater and launched a, a pretty lengthy court case. Unfortunately, not much is known about her court case because the province of Alberta destroyed all court documents from the 20s. All we know is from news clippings that show that this happened and that the court ruled against her. And actually the Winnipeg Free Press published an article that said color line confirmed. So the story is interesting for a few reasons. I guess the first thing is that this was like a very early example of uh, civil rights action. It happened in Edmonton, Alberta, you know, just a random place that people don't really think about when they think about, you know, civil rights. I think when people think about civil rights, they think about images, right? They think about segregated water fountains, they think about the photo of Rosa Parks sitting on the bus, they think about, you know, photos of, of marches. Uh, a lot of those same things happened here in our province, and it's a bit, you know, disappointing that that record wasn't kept. She deserves to be remembered. It's very intentional, like it's intentional why her case wasn't preserved. It's intentional why her story isn't taught in our curriculum. Uh, as a matter of fact, Alberta Black history is still not in our curriculum. I did all my schooling fully in Edmonton, and I never learned anything about the province's black history. I never learned anything about the Alberta Association for the Advancement of Color People, the the AAACP. We, we know of the NAACP in the U.S., but we have the AAACP here in Alberta. Uh, we don't know about Lou Anderson, Charles Daniel, uh, Ted King, other people who you know launched civil rights cases. That hurts for someone who grows up in this province who's black. It's, you know, it's rough because you do your entire curriculum and what you're taught is that no one that, that looks like you has ever been here and has done something notable or important when that's blatantly false. That was a frame of reference I had when I graduated university. And it's unjust. It's unjust that even now, you know, black kids are, you know, leaving school and not knowing this. And, it, and it's not only black kids too, every other race if they don't know this history, then it's very easy when, you know, last year when the, when, the, when the Black Lives Matter movement really blew up, it's very easy for people to then look at that and say, wait, why, why are they doing this? But if they understood this history, if this history was in our curriculum, it makes it much easier for people to put BLM within a context, especially within Canada. People's first response is not, oh, why, why do we have BLM in Canada? Instead, it's, okay, I understand why there's BLM in Canada because there's this long history of segregation and civil rights that hasn't really ended. Like, you can draw a straight line from point A to point B. Having this history, uh, I guess, kept for me, uh, stolen, essentially, is, is very demoralizing. Because that history wasn't there for me, I essentially felt gaslighted, you know, because you wonder if this stuff is even legitimate. Like, for example, walking to a store and being followed. Like, you wonder, is that is that actually happening? When I was called the N-word while riding my bike, 
It's like, whoa, you know, is this just a one-off? It just leaves you with a lot of question marks. Honestly, it sucks because if I if I had this history, uh, if I learned it when I was a kid, then I wouldn't have felt that confusion, that very intense confusion and loneliness that I think a lot of uh, black people on the prairies feel. And instead, I would have had an understanding of why this happens and how I can you know respond to it. There's a huge misconception here where people think that the opposite of that is to make like all white people, all non-black people feel shame for their actions and everything. But but that, that's 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 not the case here. Like and instead, it's acknowledging that that there's a problem. If non-black people in the province and even black people acknowledge that there's a problem, then that's the first step of solving it. Like you can't solve a problem without acknowledging that it's real. And in my opinion, I think this is why this work and this history and this project is so important because it proves to people that this is real, that this history happened, the impacts of the history are still felt, and there's still work that needs to be done. That was Bashir Mohammed. He's a citizen historian from Edmonton. Bashir wrote an article for the CBC project Black on the Prairies. It's called Lulu Anderson, The History and Present of Black Civil Rights in Alberta. You can read the story and so much more at cbc.ca slash black on the prairies. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.